Is it possible to disagree and still be friends? The answer is yes, and we are here to prove it. Join our group of badass sirens as we step out of our comfort zone and onto our soapboxes to sound off on our latest adventure. We might not always agree, but we will always love each other. Welcome to Siren Soapbox. Hello and welcome to Siren Soapbox. Start your engines, explorers, because today the sirens are going to soapbox about their adventures with getting their tails on a motorcycle. Some just recently learned for the first time and others have some stories, maybe some misadventures of their own. This all started on June 9th when the sirens received their very first challenge through the contact us section on their website, sirensoapbox.com. Longtime listener, first time poster, after writing to tell us how he is smitten with Siren Sara, challenged each of us to spend a day with him as we learn how to ride a motorcycle. The goal was to be able to successfully start the bike, get our feet on the pegs, shift gears, and turn at the end of the parking lot, come back, and come to a controlled stop. How did the sirens fare? Let's find out. But first, if at any time the topic gets too intense, our safe word is. Mango. Oh, mango. 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 Oh my gosh, I was so muted. Everybody was so muted. Our safe word <laughs> is mango. First up on her soapbox is Sarah. Well, hello. So, learning to ride a motorcycle was a wonderfully exciting adventure for me. And how lucky am I that it was part of a great love story? I have actually been riding for several years now, and the story of my first motorcycle ride is certainly a well-told one on our podcast. I'd repeat it here, but in the interest of saving words and generating curiosity about past episodes, I will just move on. After a couple of years as a passenger with my husband, I decided it was time to get a little more familiar with motorcycles, not only about how they operated, but also how to ride them. My initial intent was to become a better passenger but also in case anything happened while we were out riding. I wanted to be able to ride to get help if needed. <clears throat> I mean, like I'd really be able to do that just on a, with one class, but still. Um, a good friend of mine was also interested in learning about motorcycles and riding. So we planned on taking the Balanced Dynamics Motorcycle Training course in Walton, Kentucky. In preparation for the course, Bill took us to a parking lot to get us comfortable with his teaching motorcycle, lovingly known as Alice. What a great introduction to riding. Bill was a great teacher, patient, knowledgeable, non-judgmental, and cute. No, I'm not biased. After our introduction from Bill, we were both very comfortable during the course and received our most motorcycle endorsements without any trouble. After receiving my motorcycle endorsement, Bill and I went on several rides. I enjoyed being the pilot of my own motorcycle, but I didn't feel very confident. I still felt pretty awkward going around corners and turning in general. I wasn't sure it was something I would do long-term. I really thought I would go back to being a passenger with Bill. A better passenger, but just a passenger. But out of the blue, we got an invitation to test ride some motorcycles at the Indian dealership by our house. We went, and I saw a gorgeous Indian scout. I took her for a test ride, nervous about pulling out in front of the salesman and everyone in the store. I did just fine, though. After about 75 seconds on the scout, I pulled up at a stop sign next to Bill and said, this is my motorcycle. And with that, on to Murr. Thanks, Sarah. Well, I've never really had any desire to ride my own bike. I used to like riding on the back of a bike, but piloting my own, nah. The coolest I've 
or the closest rather I've ever come to wanting to ride was when Mark and I saw a motorcycle with a sidecar on it at a uh, car show a couple years ago. And then we decided it would be fun if I rode the motorcycle and Mark rode the sidecar. And I think he would be adorable wearing his little bow tie sitting in that sidecar. And that's my fantasy. So that's how I see it. And that's how it's going to happen someday, friends. But that's as far as my desire has ever gone until longtime listener, first time challenger, Bill, challenged us to get our tails on a bike. I was pretty excited when I first received the challenge, but as the day drew closer, I became kind of scared at the idea of riding a motorcycle. Sara assured me that I would be fine. Bill's a good teacher. And that did help me feel better, but still, it's a big bike and I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty clumsy for anyone who knows me. So the morning of the lesson, my sensor was in overdrive, reminding me that the last time I was on a set of wheels, I ended up smashing my knee into a wrought iron fence and hobbling around for a couple of weeks. And this is a bike. But I got there. Bill took us through baby steps of operating a motorcycle. And I did get on a bike. Then I started the bike and rev the engine and released the clutch and felt the bike roll forward less afraid than I had been, or yeah, I was less afraid than I had been thanks to Bill's gyroscopic effect demonstration. Thanks for that, Bill. Then I rolled the bike forward a little faster this time, then feet up on the pegs, rode the bike in first gear and was able to safely bring the bike to a stop and lower my feet to the ground. And it all felt so awesome. I loved it so much that Mark and I are signing up for the motorcycle safety foundation course this fall so that I can ride my very own bike. And now it's on to you, Jess. Thanks, Mer. So I already wanted to learn to ride before our class and I was so ready to do it. I had never, I had ridden on the back of Ben's bike before but never tried to ride on my own. The class was amazing and Bill was a fantastic teacher. He, I really loved how slow he went and how well he explained everything. I was very nervous, but so excited by the end of the class that I could ride with my feet up and I didn't stall the bike. My husband had insisted that I was going to and he said, don't feel bad about it, but I didn't stall it. Uh, before class, I had actually read the learner's manual and prepped to get my temporary permit on my license, and it was so interesting to see the things that I had read about put into play. Uh, they made a lot more sense because I am a very hands-on learner. I found it surprising how easier uh, it's easier the faster you go, but it's also scary to go faster <laughs> when you're just starting out. I came home and talked to Ben about it and actually pretty much every day since then we've talked about the class and talked about um, motorcycles and, and learning to ride. Um, I'm really excited to learn to ride with him so that uh, we can possibly go camping together because we actually really enjoy camping. And so that's why I'm excited to see how we can scale down our gear because we tend to take a lot of gear with us when we go camping. So it could be very interesting to check that out. But I am super excited to do my practice and take the test and um, see if I can get on Ben's bike, which is enormous. So with that, I am going to pass it on to Elsie. Thank you. 
When I first heard about this challenge, I was like, there is no way I am getting my tail on a bike. I have known several people that have gotten seriously injured on bikes, not through any fault of their own, but because of other drivers on the road or weather conditions. My husband has wanted a bike for years and I was always telling him like, yeah, sure, you can get a spider, which is like, like the tricycle version of a bike. And he's like, that doesn't count. However, we had to honor the longtime listener first time posters request for the sirens. And thankfully the same person making the challenge was also our teacher. When we drove up to our location, it was truly magical. There was a huge empty parking lot, plenty of chairs and shade, five bikes and the Indian motorcycle dealership as a backdrop. Our teacher was as knowledgeable as he was patient with us. My husband was pretty skeptical at first. He didn't know Bill and he had no idea about his credentials. So I'm sure he was assuming the worst. After listening to Bill teach, he said he could not have possibly asked for a better instructor for all of us. There's so much to know about a motorcycle than I had originally thought. So kudos to all you riders out there. You make it look so easy. Like seriously, there's something for each hand and foot to do. It was a bit overwhelming at first and I actually didn't feel that nervous, mainly in part because I knew Bill was right there. And it was such a thrill to finally be able to put my feet up on the pegs and drive down the parking lot. After this amazing introduction, I am definitely feeling that I have been bit by the bike bug and I definitely want to take the full course. However, I am unsure how to get past the giggles anytime the teacher is going to be talking about the pet cock. <laughs> and uh, I do hope to get my license. I also want to travel across the country and camp on as I'm biking. So that is a fun adventure that I'm hoping to learn more about. So next up on her soapbox is TC. Thank you. I was hoping you talked long enough for that plane to go by, but not the case. Anyway, I have ridden thousands of miles on a motorcycle, but it's been a few years. And even more impactful, those few years occurred between now and my bike wreck. In January 2014, I rode my, my bike from Tampa, Florida to Key West and back. The route we took was just a little over a thousand miles round trip. Then in February, about a month later, I took a spill on my bike and shattered my clavicle. After that spill, I rode my bike one more time, and that was to retrieve it from someone else's house, and I made myself do it. The move to the island, selling my belongings, all of those things made it very convenient for me to give up riding. On the islands, the roads are such that I have no desire to ride a motorcycle here. So Bill's writing lesson for the other sirens was the perfect excuse for me to slowly get reacquainted with writing. I was secretly facing my fear and it felt great. I missed it. When I saw my helmet, there were a lot of emotions. I literally hugged it. It is a badass, badass helmet and I miss it. For just a bit, I thought I should start writing again, but in reality, I know I won't. It makes no sense for me to have a motorcycle on St. Croix and I don't want it badly enough to pursue it. This is why I'm so grateful that when the idea took shape in my mind to ride my bike from Tampa to Key West, I jumped on it. I'm so glad that I had that experience. Riding across seven, seven mile bridge is an experience I will always treasure. My philosophy of saying yes and my belief that someday is the most dangerous word has served me well. I'm glad that I got back on that bike. I know that I can, and I may ride with my brother and sister and Sarah when I'm in the States or any other siren who has their license by then, but the climax of my motorcycle days is behind me, and I'm good with that. 
Now we have some special guests to introduce. First of all, when we were looking at, when we were looking for a badass adventurous motorcycling woman to interview for the episode, we knew that we needed to have Z on. Her motto of continuously pushing boundaries is right in sync with siren philosophy. Not only does her website, ztraveler.com, cater to motorcyclists of all skill levels, she dives into new adventures on her motorcycle courageously, exploring over 35,000 miles in the continental United States and even extending out of the comfort zone of her own country to explore Canada, Eastern Europe, and the Philippines. She has been featured on the podcast such as Loud Pipes and Motorcycles and Misfits. And she's also been featured in articles in Rumble On, Ride Apart, and Women ADV Writers. Please give a warm welcome to Z Traveler. Welcome Ooh, to our welcome. show. Hi, everyone. So good to be here. Thank you. And we have a second guest on today. Bill Cole, longtime listener, first time guest, has been riding motorcycles for most of his life. He started out on the back of our father's bike when he was very young and has been riding on and off most of his life. With a keen eye for detail, a thorough understanding of the mechanics and physics of motorcycle riding, an amazing amount of patience, and his knack for taking everything to the nth degree, Bill is one of the best teachers I have ever met and I've been working in education for over 20 years. When Bill sent us this challenge, I had no idea. I had no doubt that he would be successful in teaching each siren how to write, how to ride, and that he would do so in such a methodical and well-paced way that it would be safe. One siren's husband, as you heard in a soapbox, admitted that he was nervous about this at first until he witnessed Bill in action. Bill is brother to myself, Siren TC, and husband of Siren Sara. I'm lucky to have grown up with a big brother who has been my teacher, my hero, my best friend, my confidant, and my role model. I'm excited to have him join us today for this episode. Please welcome Bill Cole, the motorcycle magician who succeeded in getting all the siren tails on bikes. <laughs> welcome, Bill. <Ooh>. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. I get so many questions. Well, I want to start with, um, I was perusing Z's website and I know Jess had talked about wanting to maybe travel cross country on a bike. I think you did too, um, Elsie. Mm-hmm. Z, you have a ton of really good articles um, that you have written to help people with just those types of adventures. You wanna talk about that? Absolutely. I'm all about giving everyone the opportunity to take their first step. And it comes from the fact that when I started getting into this, there's a lot of negativity in being new in the motorcycle industry. It's very downputting in a lot of the communities. So when I got started and I started getting experienced and people started listening to me, I always resigned myself. I not really resigned myself. I actually held, a, held myself to a standard that I wasn't going to be like that. I wasn't going to be mean to people who had to take their first step. And I wanted to do as best as I can to help teach people to be on the road and share my experience. I don't believe in uh, proprietary information. I want everything I know and have experienced to be for free and to let people go out and live their dreams. 
So that's where a lot of my articles come from is teaching people, you know, from a base standard, you know, you may not have camped before, you may not have camped from a motorcycle. So I start with like, what kind of camper are you in a, you know, beginner's guide to motorcycle camping gear, which is the same thing as like hiking gear, not car gear, but hiking gear. As I say in the travel industry, the smaller the vehicle you start on, it gives you the, the wider breadth of where you can use the gear. So if you're a hiker, you can use that as a motorcyclist, as a cyclist, as a car camper, as a, a van camper, RV. If you start with RV, you have to learn new things to go down that ladder. So starting on a motorcycle, you're like the third from the bottom. You know, you've got your feet, you've got your cyclists, and then you've got your motorcycle where they can carry a little bit more weight at that point. But I, I do a lot of my articles because I, I like teaching people. It's something I really enjoy doing. And I really like to give everyone the opportunity to go out and, and have this adventure because it means so much to me to actually be on a motorcycle and traveling. And I get to live vicariously as an experienced traveler through people who are taking their first steps. Cause I always forget the excitement and the new and the little bit of fear and trepidation and anxiety. That's part of the experience. And I get to see that in new people all the time in my communities. So yes, I like to make cool articles and, teach people stuff. So Bill, you, I know you taught, well, you taught three of the five of us this past week, but you taught all five of the, or all four of the sirens that are on this call, five of us five, that are yeah, on this call all five, how to ride yeah. bikes. Right. And I am more people than that. So, and you're not like a trained teacher, but as TC said, you're an amazing teacher. And tell us about how you, uh, tell us about your approach. Okay. Were you just talking to me? Because everyone was frozen for just a moment. If you asked me a question, I didn't hear it. I just said that you are an amazing teacher. You taught five, all five of the sirens how to ride a bike. And I know you're not a professional teacher, but you had such a great approach. I just wanted to hear about that. Um, well, I just, uh, I've been through a couple motorcycle training programs over the years. And as uh, TC mentioned earlier, there was a, a bit of a gap um, in my riding time. And so having gone through that a couple of times, I realized uh, talking to other people who were going through the classes, I uh, started to realize where they were apprehensive. And so I just, uh, since I've, I've uh, taught several different um, activities over over my life and my professional career and realize that if we can take away some of that anxiety, uh, people feel more relaxed and, and they're likely to do better. So I tried to put together a program that's really just designed as a familiarization. And then I encourage everyone to go through the Motorcycle Safety Foundation's uh, basic riders course. And what I do, I've only done for friends and family, uh, probably a couple dozen people now, is just designed to help them be comfortable when they go to take the formal Motorcycle Safety Foundation course and get their motorcycle license. So that's where that comes from. Just trying to make everybody feel calm and comfortable, which is why I said at the very beginning, um, you can do the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen anyone do. When we're out here, I will never tell anyone so that everyone could feel relaxed and not have to worry about looking silly. And we kept trying to call the clutch mango and Bill wouldn't let us do it. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Bill, I actually want to know, though, what what's the biggest anxieties you hear about? Because I've taught a few people how to ride as well and have my own tailored 
teaching course I've given people. So I'm kind of curious what you've been focusing on. Um, I, I think it's a variety. I think the, the biggest fear is um, that the bike's going to fall over on them or they're going to be hurt. Uh, and then if you are working with somebody who does not know how to drive a standard shift car, then they have that added anxiety of uh, they don't know if they're going to be able to shift the motorcycle. And then once you get them going in a straight line, the greatest anxiety is getting them to turn and understanding that if the motorcycle is rolling and it's upright, it wants to stay that way. You really have to do something to make it fall over at that point. So once you get them past that, then people team, seem to uh, uh, respond well to all the other tasks that you put to them. Is that, is that what you found? Yeah, so I, uh, I like to get drunk at some of the motorcycle events I've been to. And I usually camp there, so don't worry that I was drinking and riding. But I had a Honda CB500X and even my current bike. And one of the things that I would do for people is I'd put it on the ground and have them pick it up. And even with, like, my dual sport, my Suzuki DR350 can take a drop all day. So the biggest anxiety I've found is dropping the bike. So I teach them that dropping the bike is normal. If you're not dropping the bike, you're not pushing your limits. And it's okay to drop your bike. Um, you, you can add on things to certain bikes, and most bikes are designed to be able to be dropped. So I, I get them past that fear first. And then I always teach them, you go where your eyes go. So turn your head. Your bike will go the same direction. It's the same thing when, you, when you're doing combative fighting, which I've done. I love doing training like that. And, you know, you turn someone's head, they go that direction. And it's the same thing. Like I taught a guy how to ride in Romania. He signed up for a tour there. And I was hanging out with the tour guide, the tour uh, company owner. And she's like, hey, he hasn't ridden in like 20 years. Can you take him out for a refresher course? And I'm like, yeah, no pressure. This is a really technical road he's about to go on. Let's let's hope I can teach him enough to not kill himself. And he actually did pretty well. Um, he ended up off the bike in the middle of the tour because someone else's bike broke down. So he gave it up to ride in the, the chase van. But he's like, this is a lot like figure skating. He used to do ice skating and stuff. And he's like, it's the same thing. You turn your head and your bike goes the same direction. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's a lot the same thing. And yeah. you get them past we, those things, and they, they do so much better. I yeah, just I think want those to say real quick, Bill, be, before you go on, that whole you go where you look is what we teach in diving. If you're, if you're always looking up, you're going to go up. You're going to surface. So it's, I love that. That's such a universal idea that you go where you look. And it's a life lesson, too. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Anyway, now, Bill, go. So, uh, Z, you mentioned, I guess, pre-show what you're riding. So can you tell us all what you're riding now? So here goes my spiel. I've been on the road for five years in three days. So August 5th of 2016, I hit the road from a very bad family, bad home life in Oklahoma. I started on the Victory Cross Country, was on that bike until early 17. And then I went to a Honda CB500X and it's 41,000 miles on that bike when in late 18, I got ran over by a car and by ran oh. over by a car. I mean, it actually ran over both my legs. Uh, I did walk out of the hospital that day. The only thing that ended up happening was a torn MCL had to have surgery for a few months later. Um, then I got into a Suzuki DR350, which I bought 10 days after the wreck and rode from Seattle to San Francisco in December. Horrible idea, but I needed a new home. This bike is my home. So I ride a little differently than some people who have alternative vehicle styles. I have also gone to Eastern Europe. So I was there for two and a half months in 2019 and I did 14 countries. My, my base country was Romania. 
and I rode a BMW F650 GS. And then I also did a 50cc tour through Romania and went 536 miles on that 50cc in six days. So that's kind of the basis of where I ride. I did one day in the Philippines on a bike. Um, 36,000 miles was the introduction. I've actually done probably 80 to 100,000 miles in the States. It's been the majority of my riding, especially this year. I've done, I think, 16,000 just since April. Um, but because of COVID, I've been kind of stuck here. Um, but I've got over 100,000 miles in total. So that's kind of the basis of where I am. So it sounds to me like uh, you kind of my motto is as long as it has two wheels, I'm happy with it. It sounds like you are the same way. You've got a variety of bikes there. I do. I think everybody can go on an adventure and they all have their their funds and their downs and ups and downs and whatnot. Um, I currently ride a 30 year old dual sport. That's a single single cylinder air cooled kickstart carbureted. So I maintenance a lot. Um, I really love the bike. I love baby bikes. I love the, the small adventures because I think it really slows you down to, to really experience something instead of speeding through it. And there's a lot of negativity around that, which I'm very against. I'm, I'm against negativity towards all the things, whether it's you're a woman, you're young, you're old, you're from this country, you're riding this bike. I think anyone can do it if they set their mind to it. And there's many people who've been out there to prove it. The one that... Go ahead, Bill. I'll ask after you finish. The, the bike that I keep that I that I help people, you know, introduce them to motorcycling with is just a, an old Honda Rebel 250. And that's what uh, all the sirens uh, got to got to play with when we were together a couple weeks ago. I will say this. The thing that was so interesting and, and I have found this true almost every time. Um, I, I know the sirens because I am a very long time listener and uh, and also their greatest fan. So I so I got to know personalities of each of them, even though I hadn't met them all in person yet. And each of them, the the writing style or the, the style that they brought with them as they started to learn to me matched what I thought their personality was. Um, there's Elsie, uh, uh, I think, is uh, kind of a go-getter, and she jumped on the bike and was ready to roll. I kind of had to slow her down a little bit. And uh, Mary likes thrills, and so she was thrilled and apprehensive at the same time, and I think that's why she liked it so much. So each of them, uh, you know, Jess uh, was, was very uh, apprehensive because she didn't know how to drive a standard shift car. So this was all new to her. And her first, one of her first comments was she was worried that she was going to stall the bike. So we worked on talking about how to avoid stalling the bike. She went through the whole day and didn't stall the bike once. So uh, that was a lot of fun for me seeing that, uh, that each of you seemed to be jumping on the bike and, and tackling this challenge in a way that matched your personality, or at least how I see your personalities. You have to keep going, Bill. You still have Sarah and TC to explain. <laughs> so TC uh, being my sister, um, I, I know that she has, I, I, I say that she's lived many different lifetimes because she has, uh, she throws herself into things and experiences a lot of different things. She has, uh, her life has, um, I won't get into it all, but she's basically been, uh, while still at heart being the same TC, has also been about half a dozen other people uh, by throwing herself into things. And she did this the same way. When she first learned to ride, uh, she studied ridiculous. it, uh, looked into it, 
uh, wanted to research it, make sure she understood everything before she got on it. And that's the way she attacks everything. It's the way she did it when she moved to the island she lives on now. And then, uh, of course, uh, uh, Siren Sara, who I've got just the biggest crush on uh, and, and married her. Um, she, uh, she took on motorcycle riding because she knew I loved it. And so she helped me shuttle the bikes back home after the training. And instead of taking the shortest route, knowing that I love to ride so much, she took the long way home which, because she, she took, she did that for me. I know she did. The two of us have not ridden together for a, for a few months just because life has gotten in the way and we haven't been on the bikes at the same time. So this was a moment where we were on the bikes at the same time and she took the long way home. She was leading and took the long way home. So it, it matched everybody's personality, I thought. Okay, so here's my question for people who have ridden a bike, which is everyone in this podcast right now. My question is, what is the, the scariest moment you've experienced on a bike? And I'm actually going to go first because I have wrecked my bike and that was not scary at all. I didn't know what was going to happen. It happened. I got up, I picked my bike up, I took my jacket off. I had no idea that I was hurt. That was not scary. The scariest moment for me on a bike was riding on the highways in Miami, Florida. That's a scary place to be on a bike, in my opinion. Who's next? So the scariest thing for me hasn't happened yet because the day just wasn't long enough, but I'm really nervous about turning the bike. I think well, Z's going to have to go last because I think her story is going to be better than all of ours. I don't know. I'm curious what the, Bill's scary time is too. Sorry, oh, sorry. The most uh, nervous, the, the, the time I'm the most nervous on the bike is when I see rough road up ahead just because I'm, I'm, I'm and I think the scariest time for me is when I'm riding or driving a car and all I can think is I would hate to be on a motorcycle on this road because uh, uneven road an unexpected road is is what scares me the most i think you know that is probably truth to that i, I don't doubt that at all but i want everybody to realize a couple of years ago we took what i called a 13 bridges tour and we rode all across kentucky to every covered bridge in the state and we rode uh, motorcycles we hit every kind of road purposely because i uh, this was not too long after sarah started riding and I wanted her to experience dirt roads, gravel roads, country roads, city roads, interstate. We rode on all of it. And then Mother Nature helped because uh, she rained on us a few times. We had cold weather. We had hot weather during this trip. So she got to experience all of it. She did not miss a beat. She, she, uh, so she may have been nervous by it, but she didn't miss a beat. Did a great job with it. But that's yeah, it was a beautiful a thing when you're, when you're afraid and you feel it in your belly but you still do it. You might look confident and that's a beautiful thing because confidence takes fear. Like you can't be courageous. You can't be brave if you're not afraid. So I'm not saying, when did you stop writing? I'm saying, when did you feel it in your belly and you were brave? So that makes sense to me that Sarah did that because she is a brave person. Yes, she is. Who else? I want to go last because I have a question that goes along with this topic. Okay, so I'll go. Um, I think deer are the most terrifying thing I've come across. Um, I've had some crackhead deer come at me on the road. <laughs> like, they were no way ever going to be near me, and they decided to get up out of the ditch that they were laying in and come running at me. 
And I was going to say with the fears of roads, um, I like to teach people how to ride on and off road. So a figure eight on pavement, a figure eight on grass are two different things. And the more off road classes you take, the better you handle unexpected road conditions. Like I've got a big front tire and a high sitting bike. So was that a curb? Oh, I guess it may have been. Eh, whatever. My bike's fine. I'm fine. I've got the skills for it and the bike that can handle it. But for me and the drivers in the States to me are lethargic, especially in comparison to the rest of the world where there's lane and crazy ass traffic everywhere. Like Eastern Europe really got me used to getting ran off the road or they're, oh. they're trying to, I guess. Like I did a lot of uh, lane splitting. At, it's two lane traffic. I can split that direction. I can split in a, tra- in a tunnel. So it's, it's animals. You can't predict animals like you can people. Like I know you're going to be taking a left. I can see you looking in your mirror. I can't tell what the deer's going to do because, well, it's a crack in. I had a suicidal deer come at my car once. <laughs> I am not looking forward they to are happening stupid. on a bike. They are so stupid. Jess, what it's about you? It's funny because my, hus- my husband, actually, he used to ride his bike to work. And um, he said he would he would ride in the summer. And then he said that as soon as he started seeing deer, that's when he was going to stop riding the bike to work <laughs> because he worked um, second shift. So he would go in at like 4 p.m. and have to ride home at like midnight. So, um, but for me, I think the scariest thing that happened probably during the class was just it reinforced the whole your head goes where, where you look your bike goes where your head goes and um when we were putting our feet up on the pegs I looked down to see where the pegs were and the bike went that way and Bill's like did you did you see what happened it's because you looked at your feet and I was like oh okay yep <laughs> but it it was helpful because it you know we weren't going fast and it just reinforced everything so understanding that psychology is important though you go where you look and if you hyper focus on something while riding you will go that direction it's a bad and a good thing like you know you don't want to focus on the pothole and run into it but at the same time my partner that i travel with aj he got t-boned by a deer last year and he hyper focused on the center line because it kept him from going off the road um him being focused on the center line he went from the far right side of the right lane all the way across the left lane onto that sh- like to that shoulder and then bounced back to the middle line because he was focused on it so understanding the psychology there isn't necessarily a bad thing Bless, Bless you, you, Jess. Jess. <laughs> <laughs> she was muted, but we all saw it. <laughs> I felt it coming, so I muted. <laughs> um, I would say this, I didn't have a really scary moment while we were learning. What scares me is actually being out on the road um, with other drivers. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next question because I'm a drone pilot. And they say there are two types of pilots, those that have crashed and those that have yet to crash, which I'm assuming that's the same way with people with a bike. Eventually you're going to lay it down. Like what, how do you get over that and then get back up on the bike? So I mean, I've how many a- times, Z, how many bones have you broken? None. Really? And you got hit yeah. by a car? I got run over by a car. Run over. Yeah. Now I've been in two wrecks. So I wrecked in 2015 before I hit the road and I wrecked in 2018 while I was working at, in, in California. Um, the first wreck, it wasn't, it was just angry. 
like a truck pulled out in front of me and I ended up T-boning the rear side of his panel. The second time I was picking out my next bike before I stopped rolling because I ended up in a barrel roll across the highway, like arms tucked going across because I was sliding and I didn't want road rash. Um, but I was already picking out my next bike and I've got a podcast myself with a guy named Bruce up in Nova Scotia. And we talked about his wreck. His ended up being with other motorcyclists. And it's something that if you get into a wreck, if riding is something that's really important to you, discussing it with other riders who won't put you down for the dangers of motorcycles. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions and myths about motorcycles and wrecks. And that's one of the things I talk about uh, in some of the speeches I do. Uh, like 35% of uh, motorcycle fatalities in 2015 were under the influence of alcohol or 40% of them were single vehicle accidents. So only 60% of fatalities involve other vehicles, which is why I push skills. Um, I'll push gear. It's your choice to wear gear. It's smart to wear gear. I don't, I don't uh, disagree with that, but before and almost is being prepared for situations. So um, I think a lot of those things would be assuaged with practice in various different bikes and various different conditions and being aware of where your dangers really are, like rear ends really aren't that common, but getting into crashes while speeding or being of advanced age and having slower reflexes is kind of a thing and, and learning to adapt to your riding style of, you know, maybe being a little more cautious, a little less throttle heavy, you know, keep your head on a swivel, make sure your bike is maintenance all the time, you know. So my, uh, my wreck was single vehicle, it was just me. I was going around the curve. I was going too fast. I didn't know. I actually, I didn't see the curve coming up and I'm, I'm halfway into the curve when I realized that it keeps going around. It wasn't, it wasn't 90 degree. It was a greater curve than that. And um, there was also gravel on the side. So I love the idea of having people who are learning to ride, ride on all kinds of street services because I didn't when I was learning to ride. I was mostly on pavement. And the motorcycle safety course, that's all on pavement too. They don't take you out and put you on dirt or on gravel. And I think that's a really good idea. I think it's really important. When we called, I didn't know I was hurt when I wrecked. And when we called 911 finally, because then suddenly when I moved, I was making crackling sounds. It wasn't good. Um, the, the 911, like the ambulance, they, they knew where I was. They were like, are you on such and such a road? They see motorcycle accidents there all the time. There was nobody else involved. Like I said, I got up, picked up my bike, took my jacket off. I was fine. Um, for me, it was trusting myself on a turn again, which is all possible to do. You just need, that's why I love the way Bill teaches. He's so slow and methodical about it. And you do one tiny step at a time that you forget to be afraid because you're not you're not taking the big leap. You're just doing one more tiny step. It's like Paul Boynton, one step, tiny step. <laughs> I had anxiety after my first wreck because he ended up pulling out and crossing four lanes in front of me. So I had like corner anxiety that if I was, if I had the right of way, it doesn't mean that they're going to stop when they're coming up to a stop sign. I still have it today. I really do. I don't trust people. And it, really helps having someone like Bill or other people in your life who can help walk you through the basics again and help you through your nerves and anxiety to being on the bike again. And like I said, it's not really worth it if it's not something that's in your soul and something that you're passionate about. But if you are, I think, you know, with a little practice, a little bit of 
maybe being around a trusted writer or someone, a trusted teacher can really help you along. Yeah, I did get back on again because my bike was at somebody else's house and I was, I mean, when I put my mind to something, I'm a determined girl and I was getting my bike back from that person's house. And so I, I had someone drop me off and I had them leave. So I had no choice. There I was, there was my bike. I had the key. I'm getting on my bike and I'm going home because there's no other way home. And that's what it took for me was putting myself in a position where I had no other choice, but I didn't ride it since then until I took the lessons with Bill and that, that, like Z said, that slow, methodical, trusted, all of that was really huge for me. I could definitely get on a bike right now. I could get on a bike right now and go. Well, you don't know how strong you are until you're forced to be strong. So you made yourself forced to do it. It's true. It's true. The thing that I like is that, um, you know, it used to be if I didn't get on the bike for a a while, a couple of months, I'd be very anxious getting back on. Um, And I still am today. But as soon as I get on and I start going, each time that I've done that, my anxiety goes away a lot faster. Like uh, the ride on um, when we everybody was learning. I wasn't learning that day and I kind of sat back. I, I didn't need, I wanted everybody else to have the time to actually learn. But then when it came time for me to get on to do my ride that was being filmed, I had that momentary anxiety again. But because I have been doing it long enough, now when I get on, oh yeah, I remember it. And I really like that. I like uh, feeling more and more comfortable every time I get on, even when it's been a while. It's what I love about riding bikes is that, um, that, that feeling, I don't know if like Z or Bill, somebody might have to chime in on this, but when you have ridden thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles, do you still get that feeling in the pit of your stomach? I mean, I do when I dive because it's unnatural. You're doing something that's a little bit risky and Uh having that feeling in your pit of your stomach is kind of a cool thing and still doing it anyway. That's the feeling I seek every day yeah. in my adventures. You know, the, I, I'm kind of used to the states. It's consistent gas and consistent fuel and consistent GPS and roads and going into places that you never know what's coming. There is no research that will prepare you for it. That's the pit of my stomach feeling I look for. And the, oh, what's down there? There's no map for this. That To me, that's the fun part. I, I really yeah. like that feeling. I agree. Talking about that reminds me, though, that Bill did not tell us a moment of motorcycle riding when he felt the fear and did it anyway. That's right. He's smirking. He knows what you're talking about. (laughs) I kind of thought I'd get away with it um, without answering. I can only think of two. And one of them was when I was on the back of dad's bike. He had a 73 Honda CB500 and we were riding from Hamilton, Ohio, which is in the southwestern corner of the state to see his uh, parents who lived in uh, like Natrona Heights, and I'm sorry, not Natrona Heights, but up up near Sarah and Athens, Pennsylvania. It's in the uh, northeastern corner. So we're riding diagonally across two big states. Uh, typically in a car, we'd, we'd do it in about 12 hours, and this trip took about 26. But partway through, in the middle of the night, uh, the rear tire blew out. And I was in fifth grade, I guess, uh, between fourth and fifth grade. 
And uh, that was the first time, you know, we're both on this bike, which is really not big enough for dad for that kind of a trip. Um, I mean, it is, but it, it's, it's not. And uh, so that, that was frightening that, but I was not riding that time. The only time I can remember really being uh, frightened is too strong of a word, but uh, a bit of a thrill of excitement um, was a few years ago, I was on a, a Honda CBR 900 RR, which is a uh, sport bike, um, supposedly was one of the fastest production bikes of its time when it was introduced. This one is a 1996. And I was, um, oh, crap, I can't tell the story. Sara's on here listening. <laughs> Too late. Keep going. So I was riding the bike uh, at the speed limit, as I've always said I would do. And um, <laughs> as, I was yes. going, as I was going down the interstate at the speed limit, uh, <laughs> I saw a police car um, that I passed uh, at the very speed quickly, limit. very quickly at the speed limit. And he pulled out from the curb uh, or from the, the side of the interstate. And um, I don't recommend this to anyone, but after a short period of time, he decided to no longer follow me but it was during that period of time oh my it, God, it was no. i guess it was uh he, yeah, he, he stopped following me tire. he must have had a well it was tire. after it right. was after i was no longer going south and was going north and i saw him he just continued to go south so um that that was a bit of a thrill I, but i haven't really felt um frightened on a motorcycle, fortunately. I have, every time I get on one of the bikes, I love it. It is, um, it is just freeing. And part of the reason we have as many different bikes as we do is I like the different, I like how they each ride. They, they uh, each one rides differently from the other one. Probably, um, maybe the only other thing that, that gives me a bit of a, a concern is if I hadn't haven't ridden one of them in a while and realize, oh, this bike only has a toe shift. It doesn't have a heel shift like the one I've been riding for the last week or something that's different between one bike or the other, switching from one bike to the other. But I can't really think of a, a frightening moment. Sorry. Dean, have you ever run from the cops? Me? No. Yeah. <laughs> I just hang out where there are no cops. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the way. really remote back road. That's where I prefer to be. <laughs> huh. my, my actually, my grandmother was a cop, so I try to respect the police as much as possible. That and um, I could probably outrun like a low sitting charger because I can go over curbs and pop shit. But if it's like a SUV, they're probably gonna catch me. <laughs> <laughs> what? On TV, you can go like down sidewalks and through alleyways and places that cars can't go. So I feel like TV says the motorcycle always wins. And TV, though, the motorcycle almost always crashes, which gives us yes, such true. a bad name. Like the, the culture around motorcyclists for people who don't know, it's so bad. And, and Hollywood doesn't help. I will tell you, though, I, I was driving my car up 75 North oh, a couple weeks ago, and some dude flew past all of us on a motorcycle going like at least 80 and that scared the shit out of me in a car and I just don't understand I, I don't I just I just wish that people on motorcycles who are driving in excessive speeds 
take into consideration that the cars around them are that, that that's freaking them out. That's not normal. And that could be scary for them too. I don't know. Dude, there's a lot of problems on the roads here. On St. Croix, there are some people who ride motorcycles, but if you ride a motorcycle on St. Croix, you are a risk loving freak because the roads, the roads are horrible and the road will be nice one day and the very next day it's collapsed in one area with three new potholes. There's sand and gravel everywhere. The, the people who ride motorcycles on St. Croix will go down the road doing freaking wheelies, mm. riding in between two cars, doing a wheelie. I'm like, where does this happen other than on this island? You guys obviously haven't been to a third world country. That is a, a very normal thing in the Philippines, <laughs> Thailand. Mexico, wow. South America, Central America, everywhere, but like here, Australia and Canada. That's pretty well, normal that's, stuff. That's what kind Mark a, said. It's, it's kind of like that in California. He's like lane splitting is legal in California. So bikes just like phew, right up the it's highway. It's actually safer for bikes to lane split. Like a lot of American drivers think this is my road and I shouldn't have to share it. But in other countries, it's very normal practice. And if you didn't ride a motorcycle, you would never get anywhere in Southeast Asia and other countries. And it prevents you from getting squished. And so long as the car does a consistent behavior, you're not gonna scare me. Like there's space for me there. Just don't so, like jerk and do this into me. So Z, this is kind of a third world country. I mean, it is US owned, but it's so not. <laughs> I'm coming there. I love third world countries. Yes, it's so not. Tracy has but a bedroom also, for you. Yeah. I don't oh yeah, she it. will uh, bunk a biker anytime in St. Croix. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, Z. Come on down to St. Croix. So Actually, that's uh, off uh, of Maine, right? It's what? That's off of Maine, right? No, St. Croix is down in the Caribbean, U.S. Virgin Island. When I, when I googled it, it said Maine. So thanks, Google, for making me look stupid. <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> There is a city of St. Croix somewhere in the states. That's that not must where be I, it. It must be in Maine. I live I live in the Caribbean. <laughs> I want to come so bad. Come on down. I got extra room. I promise you. But yeah, no, lane splitting really is safer. It's I was just statistics on it. They actually just passed it in Utah a couple of years ago. And I, I could have swore I heard something about Oregon passing it, but we're one of the only countries that don't. So of uh, yeah, as you know, I was um, I was I blanked out for a while and I couldn't uh, had some computer problems. But I don't know if you covered this, but my my question is of the sirens who took the little familiarization course, how many of you intend to ride again or to uh, become more familiar? I think every single one of us. Okay. Three out of three. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so Sarah. Um, told me to go ahead and send the message to you guys that that we are willing to continue to work with you. You know, we ran out of time. There were lots of things that we that I wanted to cover that we didn't get time to. But, you know, if you guys want to do this again, we will all get together again and or one on one um, until you feel comfortable and, and decide to go take the the uh, motorcycle safety foundation course and go get your motorcycle license. So just let us know. Can I bring my boyfriend? Because he wants to learn too. Sure, we can oh, yeah. work that out. No problem. I was gonna say, don't stop at the MSF though. Go out and find some private party, like dual sport off road classes too. I, I've taken the MSF and I've taken um, some private lessons from people who do like total control Lee parks over in California, which I find to be a higher level quality of uh, education. 
but the off-road classes like just just do variety go do a wheelie class like there's actually people oh who my are set god up to do that is like a huge outside of my comfort zone like they have a yeah, machine which- that's set up that like it, it's like controlled where you can pop up and you can get used to feeling it and then they have a bunch of motarded dual sports that you can practice on that's a great class to take do a track day too like so much good riding experience and all the varieties of ways to ride I, I yeah, totally that, agree I, with I that. Agree. I've not done it, too. but that would be, I wish I had done that. I feel like, so when I took my um, motorcycle safety course, there were two guys taking it together who were off-road motor- motorcycle guys. Those dudes were so comfortable on a bike. Like their level of confidence and comfort and understanding the bike and which way it should go and how to lean was far beyond anyone else taking that course they were just doing it to actually get their license get the little thing on their license yeah they knew what they were doing those guys people who have a dirt background they have such an advantage when they hit the road hit the uh, pavement yeah i agree with what what z said there's so many uh great advanced courses and courses that cover other types of riding you know adventure motorcycles or uh, being off-road on dirt and um, the, the reason that I suggest the motorcycle safety foundation course, at least here is when you complete the course, you do not have to take the test to get your rider's license. It's incorporated in that, in that course. So you just take the paperwork down and they give you the endorsement on your license after you take that program. And, but you have to keep in mind that that is, it is called a basic rider's course. And it is very basic when you, when you finish that course, you haven't, even been out on the street oftentimes you haven't shifted to fourth gear you haven't been more than 35 miles an hour so it's it's basic and then you know you continue to practice and you take other courses like z suggested and you become a very competent writer over time in I fact, took I'll my MSF. what i'm sorry i actually took the msf because i didn't have a license and i rode for five years without it and yeah, i know a I lot of the- people have been that way I wrecked yeah. a month after I took the class, but I think it helped me with making the wreck less severe because I only ended up needing a couple stitches on that wreck. The 250 is a great bike to learn on, and I, I want to touch on also, you guys are all ladies, and if you decide to do a more adventurous riding style, which is where I specialize, the dual sport and adventure bikes, which there is a classification of motorcycles called adventure. I understand every bike can have an adventure, but there's actually a body style for it, and it means they sit a little higher. They're Unroad bikes that can do off-road, whereas dual sports are off-road bikes that can do unroad. They sit higher, so learning, like taking those classes will help you understand how to handle a bike that sits very tall. Like, I don't put both feet down. My bike is a 34-inch uh, uh, seat height, and I only have a 30-inch inseam. So taking those classes will help you handle a bike that sits taller or is larger for you and what to do if it goes down, but also, you know, just a lot of balancing techniques that can really help your confidence. So Z, you've, you said, you said you've taught people before. Oh yeah. I love teaching people everything. I teach people how to open beer bottles with various objects when I'm drunk, but when I'm sober, I I like to teach people how to ride in various ways. So, and I also teach wrenching. Like I can teach how to do maintenance and stuff. I I wrench my own bike. I'm in the middle of an engine rebuild right now, but anything I know I'm willing to teach. If all the, if the three sirens who were just introduced to motorcycles move forward with the safety course and get your license, I'll fly back to Cincinnati, especially if Z will meet us in Cincinnati and let's do some off-road biking. I'll oh, I'm down yeah. for that. Heck yeah. I'm down for that for sure. 
you guys have any interest <laughs> in buying the bikes, let me know what you're looking for. And I can try to point you towards some good models uh, as a base model for women in dual sporting. And I hate saying for women, because I believe all bikes are for all people, but uh, the Honda Yamaha XT225, it's a great dual sport. It doesn't go very fast. I think the max I got mine up to tucked was like 70, 67. It was pretty low, but it's a great, really low sitting bike, real small, real easy to work on, super reliable. Love that bike to death. So if you see any for sale, hop on them. They're kind of rare, but I can also point you towards some other ones that are more common. That's all. You said for women a couple of times, and since you are a camper and you're out on the road a lot, I have to ask if you've heard of a product called a Shiwi. A Shiwi. <laughs> oh, you haven't heard about Go Girl or the... Um, no, we have yeah, style. We've heard yeah. of them all. We've tested them. We have a podcast episode on them. I, I just, I prefer to squat myself, but yes, I've heard of them. <laughs> okay. So one of the so strange things about me. do you prefer to squat because you've never used one or have you used one and didn't like it? Uh, so you have to wash them. You have to rinse them out after you use them. And that's a, that's a waste of good resources that could keep me alive, like staying hydrated. <laughs> so it may be a little bit less of a problem now that I've changed to some new gear. I've got like a couple different water bladders so I can carry a lot more water than I used to. Mm -hmm. But as something that would require water every time you use it, it's just easier to squat. Or you could just yeah, shake it you're, out. You're talking to a girl who's lived through a hurricane and went 90 days without power. And if you don't have power, you don't have a water pump on this island. I'd still use a shiwi and figure out how to rinse that thing. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Game changer for me. Yeah, the Go Girl was a popular one, too. They sell those at Walmart now. We all tried a couple different styles. Well, I can't let you go without giving us a few tips on how to pack lightly to go camping while you're on a bike. Okay, so a couple tips to pack lightly on how to go on a bike. Um, you need about half of what you think you're going to take. You definitely don't need as much clothes as you're about to pack. Um, if you didn't bring it with you, you can buy it at Walmart or at REI or any other camping store. And uh, make sure your priorities are warm and dry. But and I have you pack list. Yeah, I've got I got my entire gear list on my website, um, both my Honda and my Suzuki, which differently changed because I have more parts and gear on my uh, parts and tools on my Suzuki because it breaks all the time. Um, but I have all my camping gear, and I'm pretty experienced in the technology and the understanding and science behind staying warm and dry, like down synthetic. Uh, I'm a hammock camper personally, which I've never I never carried a tent. I recently bought one, but I've never carried it. Um, so yeah, I also do a lot of ground camping. I, I cowboy camping. I just pop on the ground and camp. So that's a good way to stay really light if you're willing to just sleep on the ground and have a roadrunner come up to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, like I said, lots of articles, lots of ways to point ways to being uh, frugal about being on the road. It only costs me like three to five hundred dollars a month on the road, and I'm more than happy to share all of my experiences on how to do that. Um, cutting costs, how to find good food. Don't fall into the fast food trap like I did for the first few years, you know, grocery store delis, um, different resources to finding free camping. So anything that I can be a help of, I'm more than happy. Those are my expertise areas because I'm not rich in any way. I'm extremely poor, but I, I make a lot of my life and what few dollars I do have. Love that. So we, um, we want, we always leave our child, a challenge for our listeners Z, and we've reached the end of the podcast. And I think this is a nice segue because 
we want to challenge our listeners, whether you're on a, whether you are on your bike or you're preparing for your own vagabond trip, we'd like to challenge you to try one of Z's recipes from her cookbook. It's called Simple Camp Food for the Moto Vagabond. And you can find that on her website. Thank you so much, Z, for all your expertise and sharing your adventures with us. You can check out Z at her website. You can find her blog. You can check out all of her adventures, find her podcast and that recipe book that we we're just talking about all at ztraveler.com. And Bill, thank you for teaching all the sirens how to ride a bike or at least half of us to get our feet up on the pegs for now. <laughs> it was, it was a lot of fun. It was my pleasure. And uh, you didn't mention, I can be found sitting somewhere listening to the siren soapbox. Oh, oh good. <laughs> oh no, we're really worried about not being able to find you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be happy you... to come up and see you guys soon. Oh, yes. please do. Please reach out to us because we would love to hang out with you and ride with you. Um, maybe I'll have my license by then and I'll actually be able to ride a bike. So we'll see. Oh yeah. Pick up a bike and I'll teach you what I know. I love it. We, Bill can, do has some, we a, can do some maintenance too. Bill has an Alice I can borrow. <laughs> hey, I hear he has a Honda Rebel 250, which they're such great bikes and I'm looking to buy one myself. Yeah, they're great bikes. That that one, you mentioned the name. It's Alice Johnson. Is anybody here? Oh, I know you're not. Nobody remembers the old TV show called Room 222? Mm-mm. No. Mm-hmm. Alice Johnson was the name of a character who was a te- uh, teacher on that show. She had dark hair. She was a little tiny thing. And that rebel was black and it's a little tiny thing. And so that's where it got its name. Oh, it's awesome. All, well, all it- of the bikes have names, by the way. Mine's <laughs> Bubba. I, I'll have to name my bike when I get it, I guess. I hope you, that- you don't let the bike tell you its name. You have to really connect with the bike and be spiritually aware. And then it'll tell you what its name is. I, I think it. there's a, I think there's a truth to that. And, and, and part of the problem that I have is once I feel that connection with them, I become very protective. I don't want, I don't want them to fall over. I don't want anybody to bump into them because I feel like I have a connection and have to be protective. So, so it's like a child at that it. point. I'm abusive. I'm like, you can't look at my bike funny, but I can look at my bike funny and call him an asshole. Don't, don't even try that. It's like, it's like your best friend. You're like, I can call my best friend an asshole, but you can't call my best friend an asshole. We're going to fight. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, thank you so much to the sirens who joined us on this episode as well. Jess, Elsie, TC, Sarah, and me, I'm Mur. And until next time, dive in. Stay curious and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag your latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.